Coming up on Philosophy Talk, humanism. I like to define humanists as godless do-gooders. What's so great about humans? We assign meaning to our lives, and I think for most humanists, it's about human connections. Isn't humanism just a form of speciesism? Wouldn't turtles be turtleists and camels be camelists if they thought about it? Don't you think if gorillas could speak, we would be equally interested in what they have to say? Our guest is Jennifer Barty, editor of The Humanist magazine. Recorded in front of a live audience at the American Humanist Association Conference in San Jose, California. We are trying to preserve the philosophies and the the values and the, the language of our Constitution. Humanism worships humans. But why worship anything? Because we're just so interesting. Can't keep quiet for long. I'm a human being. I can't help singing the song. I'm a human being. Humanism. Coming up on Philosophy Talk after the news. I'm not in authority. This is Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. Today, we're recording the program in front of a live audience at the 69th Annual Conference of the American Humanist Association in San Jose, California. Our thinking originates at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus. Welcome, everyone, to Philosophy Talk. Our topic today, humanism. Humanism, John, that's a great topic, but you know, we usually try to have topics that have some controversy about them. Well, what could be controversial about humanism? I mean, humanism is that glorious movement in thought that began in the Renaissance with the rediscovery and reappreciation of the text and arts of the Greeks and Romans. It said human life in this world moves to the center of attention while God, heaven, and the angels and all that stuff, the focus of medieval thought, moves aside. Humanism led to the Enlightenment, to Locke and Hume and Kant, to democracy, to science and progress. Three cheers for humanism. Well, as you describe it, humanism doesn't seem very controversial, Ken. For one thing, it doesn't seem opposed to religion in general or Christianity in particular. As long as a religion pays suitable attention to humans. I mean, Michelangelo painted the Sistine Chapel, Leonardo da Vinci painted the Last Supper, Locke wrote a book about the reasonableness of Christianity. So a lot of Renaissance and Enlightenment humanists seem to have been Christians. But then why are religious types and fundamentalist Christians in particular so upset these days about humanism? Calling humanism a plot to take over our schools, introduce relativism into morals, and all sorts of evil things. Because they're thinking of secular humanism, John. Secular humanism. Is secular humanism an alternative to humanism or or a species of it or what, Ken? Well, secular humanism, or sometimes called scientific humanism, is really, it's a species of humanism in a more general sense. I mean, there used to be a robust tradition in this country of, of what's called religious humanism. But many people see secular humanism as the sort of natural development of the ideas implicit in all forms of humanism, including even religious humanism. Because secular humanism doesn't just move the focus and intention from God and heaven and angels to humans. It drops God and heaven and angels and all that stuff from the picture altogether. It doesn't just appreciate science. It takes the reality that science discloses to be 
all the reality there is. No transcendent truth, no supernatural anything. Well, you, well, you make secular humanism sound like a, a philosophical doctrine. I mean, it sounds a lot like the naturalist uh, movement in American philosophy in the early 20th century. Well, you know, that's no accident because think of the, one of the people who was instrumental in, in drawing up the, the humanist manifesto, the first version in 1933, was our very own John Dewey, one of America's great philosophers. So it is a pretty philosophical movement. Here's a rough sketch of some of the things it said in that first manifesto. The universe was not created by anyone. Humans are part of the natural world. Mind and body dualism is to be rejected. There are no supernatural or cosmic guarantees of human values. The end or purpose of human life is the here and now, not some afterlife, and a whole lot more besides that. So Ken, these humanists spread out in the audience before us. Are these just old-fashioned humans are sort of important and the Greeks and Romans are cool kind of humanists? Or are these secular humanists? Well, John, <laughs> this is the American Humanist Association. They are direct descendants from John Dewey and his buddies. You can find Manifesto 1 on their website, and you can also find Manifesto 2 and 3. So I think we're definitely in the presence of card-carrying, secular, scientific, God-not-fearing, capital-H humanists. <laughs> well, oh my goodness, Ken, what have we gotten ourselves into? <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, according to Glenn Beck and Sarah Palin and Bill O'Reilly and quite possibly the Pope, too, these people are bound and determined to undermine the moral basis of America. Subvert values, educated generation of atheists, enlarge the scope of public radio for all I know, uh, <laughs> and, and God knows what else, or maybe I shouldn't say God knows what else. But you know what, John? We don't need Glenn Beck. We don't need Sarah Palin or Bill O'Reilly. We don't need the Pope, and we don't even need God to tell us what the American humanist movement is about because our guest today is one of their intellectual leaders, the card-carrying secular humanist Jennifer Barty, editor of The Humanist magazine. She'll join us in a little bit. And we'll want our live audience here in San Jose to join in the conversation, too. But first, our roving philosophical reporter, Rena Palta, files this report. What exactly is a humanist? A humanist conference is a good place to find out. A place where they play something called blasphemy jeopardy. This longtime fundamentalist leader, you know, after only three weeks of counseling, was completely cured of his homosexuality. And, you know, the, the answer is, you know, who's Ted Haggard? August Brunsman is executive director of the Secular Student Alliance, based in Columbus, Ohio. I was the only male undergraduate in Ohio State history that could not care less about football. So hating football isn't what makes people humanists, even if Brunsman says a lot of them do. For an answer to the question, what makes a humanist, I went to Bill Nye. Yes, the science guy, and the association's humanist of the year. For me, uh, humanism is, existence is pretty much all you get. And if it's not, what would you do differently? Uh, not too much for me. That is, being a good person without believing in God. The world is much more sensible without uh, supernatural explanations. The, the pursuit of truth is much more interesting than uh, assuming things that are not provable, or more accurately, ignoring this process that we've found for discovering nat uh, the nature of nature. Ignoring that is just unsatisfactory. But why does simply trying to behave like a good person require a label? 
I took that question to the convention floor. We like to identify things, including ourselves. Some people say, well, I'm a Catholic. Some people say, I'm a Lutheran. Some people say, I'm an evolutionist. Some people say, creationist. Some people say, they're black. Some people say, they're white. We're always looking for labels. The brain works on labeling things, including ourselves. So you're kind of a humanist evangelist. <laughs> um, I guess I'm happy to live and let live if they're happy to live and let live. I mean, I don't think it's a core value within humanism. I think people are people. And wherever you go, you're going to find people that want to convert you, whatever it is. But it's not a core value. If not for strategizing on how to spread humanism, then why have a conference at all? Because everybody here shares something. And when you share a philosophy, when you share ideas, when you share a task, whatever it is, you develop a language that's an insider's language. And you're comfortable expressing your ideas. You're not concerned about how you'll be seen in another world or whether you fit in. In this setting, we all fit in. And we're all accepted as part of our humanist world. So back to the original question, what makes a humanist? This particular group is mostly secular and focused on bettering the world. But like people who gather around their religious beliefs, these humanists want community. So the conference here ended up being something like a church, a church for secularists. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Rena Palta. Want to hear more? You can find the complete episode on iTunes Music, or for unlimited listening, become a subscriber at philosophytalk.org.